Welcome to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Each week on Vernacular, we explore the art of being truly and fully human. Most of the time, that means that Sally and I chat for 15 to 20 minutes about a topic, general or specific, and how it helps us understand what it means to be human. But we don't have all the answers, so occasionally we invite guests on the show to help us tackle this question in the context of their job or hobby, current events, or pop culture. Thanks for joining us as we practice the art of being human. All right, thanks for joining us for the second episode in our series here at Vernacular on the art of being human. And today we're going to talk about... We are talking about what it means to be human and what is the relationship between that and science or scientific pursuits. So we're not talking this week about medicine or healing that we're actually going to cover in a future week. And we're not talking about specific technologies, which I could think of as applied science. We've talked about some specific technologies like CRISPR in the past, but and we might cover that in another episode, but we're not talking about that today. So today we're talking about science. And Zach, what is science? Great question. Let me just give you off the top of my head yeah. what I think of as science. And I'm kidding. This is Ox- <laughs> This is the Oxford Dictionary. That says science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. So in our attempts to live a truly human life, are we supposed to spurn that? Is that is that antithetical to what it means to be human? Or is it does it have this perfect harmony with what it means to be human so we should just embrace it and always pursue science? Or is there some sort of in-between is there, is it, or is it neutral? I don't, we don't know. So spoiler, I think that science is a human activity. Oh, I was wondering, yeah, I, was, I was wondering I where you were going I think it does with comport with what it means to be human. Oh, man. I don't think we need to get rid of I was on the science. edge of my seat, Sally. But I also don't think we should fully embrace science. I think instead we should evaluate it based on its aims or ends. Well, by fully embrace, let's qualify what you mean, because you're not an anti-science person. No. So we should fully embrace it. That's but true. I think what I hear you saying. But we should evaluate it based off of its aims or ends. And be aware of its limitations. Yes. And it does have limitations. Yes. Right. We could also evaluate it based off of its ends or products, but that would be technology, and we're not talking about that today. Right. So instead, aims or ends. Aims or ends. All right. So the aims and ends of science. So what do we look at as the aims of science? There are a number that I think we can think of. One that I can think of uh, right away is what was wrapped up in that definition, exploring things, discovering things. So exploration, discovery, by looking at the physical and natural world. Yeah, I think you see nature and you see something that's mysterious that you don't understand and you start to pursue it and find out more about it and yeah, try to reveal what are those hidden mysteries in the world around us. And I think that's that's definitely science. Yeah. I and think- that's, I think, a. I mean, should we, eval- should we list the names first or should we evaluate um, them as we go? Well, yeah, let's evaluate them as we go. So, okay. yeah. So, what do you think about the aim of exploring and discovering the natural world? I think that it. I think that comports with what it means to be human. I think that um, as long as it's bounded by certain moral constraints, yeah, not discovering at the cost of people, for instance, hurting people along the way, or destroying nature as you discover it, um, kind of wantonly and viciously. So within certain moral boundaries, I think that is a good aim of science. Yeah, I th- I would definitely agree with that. So what are those moral boundaries? Can we talk about those? Uh, we can, though that could take us off on a tangent. Okay, let's move on then. <laughs> um, okay, another aim of science. Um, I think that just truth, trying to discover what, what is true about the world. Right. 
And I think that is a perfectly good aim. And related to the first one we just talked about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you're exploring the world to discover and discern truth yeah. in it. Okay. I like that. Um, so that's intrinsically good. I think so. I would agree. Yeah. Pursuit of truth. Okay. Yeah. And along those lines, probably the good. So we have the true, the good. I think if you are pursuing to do good in the world through science, then that is a good thing. What about the beautiful? <laughs> the beautiful too. <laughs> You're seeking to promote the beauty of the world. You're seeking to preserve the beauty of the world. Those are all, those are good aims of science. Well, and I think too, this is an important conversation because a lot of times when we think about science, we don't think about those descriptive words that you just used, good, true, and beautiful. We instead think about well, maybe we think of we. I think I think we probably think of the true, but we don't think of good and beautiful. We think of true as in science is really just here to tell us facts, and tell us what is real, and to tell us what exists, and tell us more about the world in which we exist. But I, I do think there's an element of good and beautiful there because, you know, take take the human person for example. Part of our thesis in this whole exploration of the art of being human is that the human being is good. There's something good about the human being, and part of being human is is acting in accordance with that goodness and being good. And science tells us about the human person, doesn't it? I mean, think of uh, neuroscience, for example. Right. It tells us all about these chemical processes that go on inside the mind of one of these human beings. So that tells us something about goodness there, I think. And then same thing with beautiful. Again, we think of science as just telling us the facts and showing us what exists. But how many times have you read something grounded in science that describes a, quote, scientific process that's observable in the natural world but is just startlingly beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I think the universe is beautiful. You know, yeah, I mean, look at um, yeah, look at the, you know, Carl Sagan's, Sagan's original uh, The Cosmos, right? Yeah. Like this this journey through time and space. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a beauty to the natural world around us, and sure. science helps us uncover that. Yeah, yeah, and preserve it, I think. Definitely. And understand it, which is which is another aim of science. Right, right. Um, okay, how about how about this one? One aim of science, I think, is also furthering knowledge, enhancing yes. human achievement. What do you think about that one? I think that that is a valid aim of science. Whether it's a good aim of science, I think just depends. I think that knowledge in and of itself is not a good aim of science, right. just to have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. So knowledge is value neutral? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I, but at least not intrinsically good. It's not intrinsically good, exactly. And I don't think it's intrinsically bad, so we're left with value neutral yeah, then, right? Yeah, okay, It's sure. intrinsically neutral. Yeah. So then what matters is what you do with it. Right, and that's what is of, the point of it? And then that, we go, that goes back to the true, the good, and the beautiful. Yeah, and we're leaving the scope then of our conversation here because we're not talking about the application of science. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, so... So if, if you're just seeking knowledge for knowledge's sake then I think that is not a truly human aim of science. Right. You know, there was this statue uh, on my campus where I went to college, and the statue, it was a statue of a bird, and there was an inscription underneath that said, man's flight through life is sustained by the power of his knowledge. And I always found that a little bit strange. I mean, sure, you need knowledge to go and achieve things and be successful in the world, but I just thought it strange to ascribe power to knowledge that way. Because I've always thought of knowledge as something that is sort of there, is static, and what depends 
you know, it depends on how you use it, right? It's right, not right. knowledge is, uh, I guess it's all sort of to use the physics analogy, it's all sort of stored energy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, sure. or I think of again, this is kind of uh, an aside, but I think of prenatal testing. Mm. Do we really want to know every possible aspect or DNA? Do we really want to know every aspect of our DNA or of our children's genes? Right. And I, I, I think not. Right. And that's because I don't think that knowledge is in and of, is an intrinsic good. Now, the, obviously, this is you know hair splitting or gene splitting, as it were. But you know, sometimes there's there's uh, a good reason for doing that when you can diagnose and then treat a disease, et right. cetera. But I, I'm thinking, and I, I think you are too, of these. You know, I heard a story from a friend about uh, another friend who I did not know uh, of his who um, got tested through like 23andMe or one of these DNA testing services and found out that he had a 60% chance to develop early onset Alzheimer's or dementia or something. And, I don't and want to know that. This was a cloud that was then hanging over his head and, you know, still is, and he's in his 40s or so. Uh, and I don't think he's any better off with that knowledge. Right. I, I would contend he's worse off with that right. knowledge. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, there are, are limits, limits to, to the pursuit of knowledge um, and, and it should not be acquired simply for its own sake. And you mentioned power. I think that power can be an aim of science. Yes. And I don't, I do not think that that comports with what it means to be human in the truest, fullest, most flourishing sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially because once we gather power, it's a very selfish pursuit and we often use power to have power over nature. Um, I think of, you know, people going on safari hunts back in the old days and just, you know, killing animals and now they're endangered right. or power over other humans coming in and trying to take over a land um, so that we can, you know, so that you can have power over that land and hurting people along the way. So I don't think that power falls under the list that we're trying, that we're creating for aims that comport with what it means to be human. Right. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, you, you, uh, power over nature is a good and acceptable thing when it is done for another end. You know, think of, um, vaccines, for example. And again, we're sort of straying outside the bounds of this conversation, but, uh, the point is power over nature for the sake of power over nature is also not a good thing. Right. Power over nature for the sake of conquering some other ill in nature can be a good thing yeah now you know whether or not it is in in any every instance i think needs to be evaluated carefully but but it can be a good thing and then i think you could kind of get into the weeds and say or i mean the nitty-gritty is are there primary and secondary aims right because if your if your primary aim is actually to help people and you have to have some sort of quote-unquote power over nature in order to help people um then then maybe that's your actual aim right yeah i mean i think this is sort of uh I think this this triggers double effect, right? In that, uh, in 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 ethical thinking, in which you are doing something that is otherwise value neutral, uh, you know, an action that is good or value neutral, and in this case, I think it'd be value neutral, uh, in order to achieve a good, uh, and in that case, double effect. And again, we're not talking about means and means, right? <laughs> um, because that would be a whole other conversation. But that would also play into the morality of of a scientific pursuit. Definitely, yeah. And so, like I said, each of those instances would need to be evaluated right. carefully, yeah. right? Okay. And we can we can talk more about that okay, next so episode, I have right? One Medicine? more. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I have one more aim, and okay. I think that is personal profit 
or kind of greatness, making a name for yourself, recognition. Yeah. I want to win the Nobel Peace Prize or, you know, Nobel Prize in some sort of science. I think that those are not um, good human aims of science. Yeah. And I totally agree. I do, however, want to caveat that that what's what's careful what, what what we need to be careful about is that we distinguish here. I think that we don't want to make personal profit. I I do think right. science can be well used to generate revenue, you know, to stimulate economic activity, and that's a very good thing. But a scientist who starts a uh, you know, a private corporation doing scientific research and builds this corporation up into a very large corporation that employs a lot of people, that can all be a very good thing and in cases has been, but the aim of that scientist should not be to add to his or her personal profit. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. And I think I've, it's been a long time since I read Frankenstein, but I want to yeah, say it was high that, that scientist was creating Frankenstein for his, I, I don't know, maybe it was for to for his own personal recognition I, I think it was his like his notoriety right? yeah that's what i thought yeah i think so but it's been a long time at least in my revisionist history of frankenstein we, we, we'll agree the vernacular <laughs> we'll revisionist history that. of frankenstein is that he was all about notoriety personal <laughs> personal reputation um okay yeah so that's also not a good aim of science so what are are there any other aims of science that we haven't mentioned that are good um any other aims of science that are good well we talked about we talked about exploration. We talked about um, the good, the true, the beautiful. Yep. I think anything that is virtuous, a virtuous aim. So it has to do with you know the basic human virtues of courage and temperance. Right. And you know, go back to Aristotle. Yeah. All of those virtues. I think that if it is an aim that is controlled or stimulated by those virtues, that is a a human aim of science right like healing for example right yeah so that's certainly a human name of science to heal right and, and we'll talk more about that in the medicine episode but that is one very clear and obvious use of science i mean um yeah so courage you just you mentioned courage as a virtue so you know any activity that is in uh in uh, conformity with the virtues uh, I think of space exploration. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of courage involved in space exploration. Yeah, for sure. Look at, you know, to go where no man has gone before, the the movie Interstellar or The Martian, one of my favorite films. There's a huge element of courage involved in that, and science enables that, and science propels us forward in that. Uh, look at what Elon Musk is doing, his recent launch of the Tesla S Roadster into space, capturing people's minds and imaginations as I think about what it what it means to go exploring in space and I think that's a great use of science um there are there are debates obviously about whether or not you know we should be spending more or less money on the space budget right. when there are other ills on earth to to conquer and those are good debates to be had but um I think we can say that in and of itself there's something good about harnessing and directing our courage yeah uh, in exploration so that's another example yeah, so I think science at its best involves humans at their best, humans when they are acting virtuously, when they are pursuing a truly human life right. for themselves and for the people around them, for the world. And I think that when we are pursuing those things, when we are pursuing a flourishing life for ourselves and for other people, then as scientists or as pursuers of science, we that science at its best. And I think those are that's those are the the aims that um, that we should applaud and encourage. Definitely agree. And one thing we haven't 
really talked about explicitly is the limits of science. Yeah. And I think that goes back to last week's conversation or two weeks ago, our last episode's conversation Mm -hmm. about how human beings are imperfect. Right. And so if human beings are imperfect, then all of our activities are going to be perfect. We're never going to achieve perfection. And that includes in science. So science will never answer every question, will never uncover every mystery of nature. And even science at its best is going to be limited. Yeah. I think that is a very, that's very well said. And, you know, we said in in our first episode that part of being human is being imperfect, right? That's what you were just you were just describing. So every human activity, be it science or art or something in between, is going to be limited. And there's no perfect work of art because it's done by a human. There's no perfect science because it's all done by humans. And so because of that, science can never lead us to omniscience omniscience because we don't have that we don't have that capability we're we're limited in our endeavors but part of being human is trying our best at it and that is why we should keep trying we should keep exploring keep furthering scientific progress as long as we keep in mind the aims of science and we set careful parameters on the ways that we pursue this activity let us know what you think of this conversation. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Vernacular Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash vernacular podcast, even though we barely check Facebook, <laughs> and email Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. If you don't mind, if you haven't already, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the episode. In the meantime, we'll be back in two weeks with the conversation on the art of being human. And, and what it has to do with medicine and healing. Yeah, so that should be a really fun conversation. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And this is Vernacular Podcast. Have a great week.